podcast has bad words. <laughs> Hello, patrons. What's up, y'all? You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for supporting us. Ryan, I didn't know... I don't know what to call this one. It's either Unknown Excess, which I pulled from our, our minimal episode, just because the, the, the line that I, that I had here is... Um, does anyone else feel like this year, so 2020, the pandemic, et cetera, mm-hmm. but any year really, but this year in particular, I think has magnified it, has shed a light on their previously unknown excess. So you could be in a house that feels decluttered. You, yeah. you and I were talking about this mm-hmm. and there's sort of a lot of unknown excess. Now I was downtown uh, LA yesterday. I went to the last bookstore. Are they open? They were open and they really? were open, open. Like they were just legitimately open, wow. which was shocking and, That's and awesome. great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, still social distancing you and, wear your and mask. masks yeah. and, and all of that, yeah. which I want to talk to you about masks in a moment. <sighs> Who thought something would be so controversial? Uh, but, yeah. But yeah, exactly. let's talk about it. Uh, but I, I saw this book there and it was called Yes is More. Oh, wow. And I like to me, that is like we unfortunately we, it was it was a comic book. So it had nothing to do with what I'm getting ready to talk about. I just love the title, especially it's like our our next documentary is called Less Is Now mm-hmm. to take on less is more. Right. Mm-hmm. But we have to now is the time for less is really the, the take on that. But yes is more. We, we say yes to small things. Yeah, I'll just buy this little thing and I'll put this widget in my house and I'll say yes to mm-hmm. this. I'll say yes to this. I'll say yes to this. And, and by before we know it we're inundated we're overstuffed right we yeah. have all of this unknown excess so mm-hmm. sean i don't know if it's yes is more or if it's unknown excess we'll figure out what the better title is whatever we end up titling it though patrons leave a comment in the comments let us know which title you would have preferred and you can you can vote on it there in in the comments now we do have some surprise questions here today ryan mm-hmm. and we have this article today's article is from ted uh, TED.com, yeah, it's the, you know, the the TED conference, but they also have yes. articles here, and they have different tips. Try uh, got too much stuff. Try these seven tips to help pare down. I do want to get to that, but mm. first, I had a few things I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Follow ups. I love how you have lemoncello written. Down hey, let's l- wait. Let's we'll get to that. All right, all right, all right. So the strainer. Yes. I don't know if we picked a winner yet, Sean, but uh, there were several people who wanted my strainer. <laughs> several patrons. <laughs> nice. So thank you, patrons. We will pick the the patron, and I think uh, we can just announce it next next week, probably, Sean, if we Instead if we remember. Little seed strainer. Or may, actually, you know what? Let's just go back to the post where we we announced it on, and we'll we um we'll we'll say thank you to the people who submitted there, and we'll announce the the winner on that particular post. My my strainer that I had an extra one I didn't know about, and now it's going to end up in a. In a good home, someone yeah. apparently needs a strainer. But here's the thing I learned. I'm not the only psychopath who puts lemon in his guacamole. No, you're not a psychopath. Actually, on based on your recommendation, I did this uh-huh. for uh, for the 4th of July. I had uh, Sean in Podcast Sean. I had uh, Jordan and his family over. Yes. And I think that was it, right? Oh, and then our friend Jesse came over. So it was a large-ish gathering. Yes. Jordan was like... I come over, but I have four family members with me to bring. <laughs> but it was great. We had a great time. Minimalist. And I made this huge bowl of guac, which I had so much left over, but I ate it all because you could just put guac in my veins and I would be okay with that. Yeah. Um, if I could survive. Uh, but I put lemon in it. And you're right. It is a game changer. It's so good. I did lemon and lime. Oh. Yeah. I didn't do just lemon. Um, it's like a guacamole suicide. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, what I usually like for as much as I made, I was going to put two limes in it uh-huh. and, I, and I put the first lime in. I was like, oh, that's right. I was going to try lemon. I was like, well, I'll just put lemon in it. And it was good. It was great. The The reason I started doing lemon is I ran out of lime once mm. and 
I made it with lemon because we had a lemon there, and I didn't want to do it with no citrus. And mm-hmm. so I, I now here's my recipe. Now, lemon only. I'm gonna keep, that keep this. This is just for the patrons. This recipe. <laughs> okay, this is my guac recipe. It's aggressively simple guac. That's mm-hmm. what, what it's called. Aggressively simple guac. I take two avocados, ripe yes. because we're in California, and there's always ripe avocados. It's awesome. <laughs> so they I show up in your mailbox, like <laughs> yeah, two ripe avocados. Yeah, one medium lemon mm. a meyer lemon if they have them mm. and and you use a strainer and make sure you don't get any seeds in it right mm-hmm. and then and then 16 16 turns of the salt uh grinder <laughs> 16 turns yes. it's funny how much salt you need to put in guac well i i like it extra salty so 16 yeah. so the two so it's at lemon avocado salt that is it. That's and, it. And I take a fork. Now, here's the thing. We get caught up with stuff, right? Yes is more. Mm-hmm. That might end up being the title, I think. So I almost bought like the the, the, you know, the table side guac thing with the, what is that called? The Mortar and pestle or something? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. And I, I, I even had one on Amazon. Like this one's great. Look at the reviews. And oh, I'm wow. Analyzing it. I'm like, I make it in a bowl with a fork right now. Right. And it's, and awesome. it's fine. Uh, here's uh, here's the sometimes, last secret though. Sometimes the avocados aren't ripe, and I use a meat hammer. We have like a tender meat tenderizer oh, hammer yeah, thing. Yeah. So I've, I've done that. I've done that before. If too. I have to, but yeah, a fork works just fine. All right, what's yes. the secret? So and then I put it in the freezer for ten minutes. The freezer for mm, ten minutes. Okay. It makes all the difference. Interesting. I, yeah, it's it's amazing. I have this literally with almost every meal. <laughs> and I, well, I try it. so I'd make it for my first meal of the day mm-hmm. and then I have half of it with the, so the two I have two avocados a day basically yeah. and the other half in the evening and man it with just the lemon and Ella the, the reason I, I I kept making is Ella said it was better than Chipotle's guac and I'm like Ooh. okay this is great kids don't lie and I don't put onions in it because onions are gross <laughs> right as earths are <laughs> yeah when you become earths are you can use onions but it'll be a big fine yeah dude so when I do guac yeah I put all the fixins in there dude like onion purple onion specifically oh. uh i put in or sweet onion sweet vidalia onion would be good and then a ton of garlic Mm-mm. i'll take like a whole no. bulb of garlic and just like mince it and throw it in there i'm, tr- I'm telling you just try it once because it, it'll be oh, i will it, no i will try this aggressively simple one but like that's cilantro and even like i'll take one serrano pepper and it's not a jalapeno but a serrano and like chop it up real fine and mix yeah. it in there dude oh man it's so good but, yeah I, I bet that's good i i just there's something there's something elegant about the the aggressive simplicity yeah to no it. i'm totally down to and plus that. i can make it every day i'm never running out of ingredients like i, I know exactly what i need and for w- it when i make guac to, to be honest like to mince up everything is such a pain in the ass every time i make guac i'm like I'm going to buy a food processor. <laughs> it would make it so much easier if I had a food processor. Yeah. But I have not bought a food processor yet. Processor yet, Because actually there is kind of a, um, I don't know, dude. There's like a ritual to it that, you know, cut up the vegetables and stuff. And like, yeah. 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 I, I mean, when I do it, I, I, I'm still intentional with it. I, but I don't need all the... I don't need all the excess, including the accoutrements to make it. Like, it makes it just as good in the bowl mm-hmm. as it with a, a fork to mash it. And I, I do make sure that I have the really ripe avocados. And, yeah. and thankfully, you know, we, we have access to those. Yeah. Uh, or if I don't, you know how to ripen an avocado, right? This is, this is if you want to accelerate the ripening of Put avocado. In a brown bag? A brown bag with a, a banana, open banana. Really? With yeah. an open banana? Yeah. And so the chemicals in the banana, it's a particular chemical. I'm blanking on the chemical. It, it, what, uh, what if you did it with just a banana peel? It probably would work. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I open a banana. I'll put it either in a brown bag or in a Ziploc bag, and 
Hmm. And yeah, it, it it takes several days off the ripening process. That's awesome, man. Yeah, you can do it within a day or so. No, dude, I'm totally down to try the aggressively simple guacamole. I'll let you know what I think. Uh, have you tried the limoncello? The the dude, Lacroix limoncello. The fir- it's funny. I I don't like flavored Lacroix until I tried this. Yeah. So I saw on Instagram, uh, Sean Mahalik, his wife Paige. Uh huh. She had a post where she was just like drinking limoncello and she's like, this is the best LaCroix I've ever had. I'm like, well, that's quite a claim. I know. The best LaCroix you've ever had. Yeah. So I tried it the next time I was at the store. I saw it sitting there. I'm like, oh, I'm going to try the limoncello. And it's weird because like the first sip I had of it, I was like, oh, this is not very good. And then the second sip, I'm like, that's okay. And then by like the, by the time I finished the can, I'm like, this is my new favorite LaCroix. It's the opposite of the, the diminishing returns. Yeah. I have to set a limit. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have two a day <laughs> and no more. But I also drink a lot of Topo Chico. Yeah. So here's... No, the lemon cello is so camera. good, dude. It's like, it's like birthday cake. So let's be clear on Topo Chico. Okay. The flavored Topo Chico is garbage. It really is. It tastes like cleaning solution. Yes. Regular Topo Chico, though... And I hate that they're owned by Coca-Cola. It's oh, not. Oh, I didn't realize they were. They, they were purchased by Coca-Cola recently, but the water's still the same. For whatever reason, they have the best, and we've tried them all. Just regular. Gerald Steiner is up there, and yeah. by, probably Gerald Steiner has the best mineral content. Q uh, Q soda is up there for me too. Okay, I, I don't I, know, but it's so expensive. Like for a I four have, pack, it's like eight bucks. Or oh something my god! Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And so we buy cases of Topo Chico. Mm-hmm. And we buy them here for the office as well. And um, man, uh, especially now because the the soda stream, I've had a soda stream for a while, but yeah. like you, it's impossible to get these refills lately because of the pandemic. Yeah. We've I had, we've uh, had trouble. I finally, finally, like Bed Bath Beyond, I was just like calling because they get their deliveries on Monday. Uh-huh. And I was just calling like every Monday, like, do you guys have any left? And then finally last week, they're like, yeah, we have some left. And I went there. There were like literally like 10 of them left. And I got them all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I picked up a couple of them. I bought those in a pallet of toilet paper. That's right. So, yeah, limoncello, for whatever reason, you're right. It tastes like a like a, a cake of sorts. And here's what bothers me, though. Here's why I can't recommend it. Because LaCroix has poison in it? No, I don't know about that. Yeah, I know. But, that was... but I look at the ingredients, and it says, literally, it has two ingredients. It says only carbonated water that's the first ingredient the second ingredient is so it's comma naturally essenced that's not an ingredient ryan no essence is not an ingredient (laughs) naturally essence means they've created a flavor an artificial flavor that has a naturally essent taste is that what it means? Because it. Oh yeah, that's exactly what it means. Oh, wait, oh, and so here's the other problem: naturally essenced, and then there's an asterisk next to essence, <laughs> and below it, the asterisk just simply says rat poison. <laughs> <laughs> it says non-GMO. Oh uh, well, that's good because I want my essence non-GMO. <laughs> no, dude, it's like when you see natural flavoring. Right. It means that there's a flavor that was synthetically made to taste natural doesn't mean that it has flavors from a natural source i'm struggling with this then yeah i don't want i don't want artificial flavors oh it's definitely artificial because here's the like so my favorite of all of these places of all the sparkling waters is spindrift and I like the the grapefruit one in particular. You oh, had yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Spindrift's great. Yeah. Now they use actual grapefruit in there, right? And and so it's 
carbonated like one, water. And, and there's like one gram of sugar in like the whole can or something. Yeah, two yeah. or three, something like that. It's yeah. depending on, on which flavor. But they have a bunch of different flavors. Like grapefruit spinners. is by far their best. The second best is the lemon. But it's real lemon. Mm -hmm. It's real grapefruit. And I don't know what natural essence is. And that <laughs> it's terrifies me. It's definitely an artificial all right, well, flavor. I guess I have to stop then. Whatever. Hey, if you're a patron, let me just say this. You're commenting on Pat Patreon. We really appreciate that. We we read all the comments, et cetera. Put a profile pic on your on your Patreon. In oh, fact, yeah. I, I might I might stop responding to people who don't have a profile pic. And here's here, here's the reason why. Um, it it's the same reason I, I already have this as a, a rule on social media. I never respond to someone who doesn't have a, a profile pic. You don't on respond social media. to the egg faces, right? <laughs> um, Remember the, the Epstein documentary? I've seen it. Yet. Oh, you haven't seen? Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ruin it. Oh. Spoiler alert! Spoiler he's alert! Dead. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So uh, the if you have a, a profile Patreon, it's a private community. We're mm -hmm. all private here. Just put your picture up because here, here's why people identify with people, not icons or, mm. or avatars. And so um, I really enjoy interacting with people and having you interact with other people as though you're interacting face to face. And, and I think it doesn't mean I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm just saying that if you want to interact with people, it's the best way to to interact. It's, it's, I totally agree. It's instead of putting a, a cat mask on and going to try to talk to someone. <laughs> You want to talk to them face to face. Yeah, dude, I agree with that. Um, they're really nice comments, though. I mean, no, no, rarely no, I, ever I, do we get like, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, e even even the feedback that we get occasionally we'll get some weird criticism that, uh, and it's almost always that you because you can see like on the back end like how long this person's been a patron. It's like yeah. this person's been a patron for three days, and it's like, oh, <laughs> you joined Patreon to to shit on me right uh, i'm probably not going to respond to that yeah um anyway uh yeah uh, just just a recommendation put a profile pic and i would recommend that on social media as well uh if if you are on social media i understand if you want to stay anonymous publicly and that that's up to you but patreon's private it's just our own private community mm -hmm. we can interact with each other and i think it's really great you even go to the community tab on patreon post your questions comments you can comment with other people it only works if you're also interacting and engaging with with other people but that's for any of our patrons patrons whatever level you're you're a supporter thank you so yeah. much we really appreciate it is there a way to get jordan a microphone temporarily is if, or if he just talks into the camera is that audio going to work at all or no right now? yeah uh yeah i could do that or maybe get him a microphone is that possible what, what well, was like, gonna, like right now the second or maybe maybe your you phone step in for a second? yeah yeah what, why not what are we doing we're just gonna have a discussion. <laughs> why, don't we, uh, why don't we pause for a second? And I can hook one up. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. Enjoy this bathroom song. No, no, no. 
All right, we're back from our bathroom break. Welcome back. And we have Jordan no more off of camera because he's actually operating the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Jordan is is our filmmaker here. Um, but this question I've I've heard come up recently, and Ryan and I aren't, we have no stake in it whatsoever. But like they're talking about changing the Washington Redskins. Talking about name. it, they they decided today they decided to do it. Oh, did they? They're absolutely. Yeah, I saw the article. Yeah. We're right, but they haven't they haven't come up with a new name or, or whatever yet. No, but they no, but they are they've considered it and they are officially changing the mascot and the name of the team. So, so Jordan, your ethnicity is is Native American, and and so I'm wondering, like, uh, to me, the, I, I I'm of two minds of this whole thing. Uh, so the question is, are the Redskins racist? And is that is that a racist thing? And I thought maybe instead of me saying, well, yes, it is or no, it isn't, we would actually let someone talk who has a, uh, who could potentially be offended by 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 this term. And then, and then also um, uh, the 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 next question is, if it is racist, then then why? And and I thought maybe we could have have a discussion around that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I was actually talking to Sean about this this morning. I think that I mean. I don't know where I, I, I'm a little different than probably a lot of people, but my opinion about this is, well, first of all, I am a Redskins fan. I'm not like a super football fan, but if I was to pin a team, mm-hmm. probably Redskins or um, the Buccaneers. But um, I just don't, I, I've seen this, you know, with a lot of things is I, I think that what you're doing is there's like equally good, equally bad is when you take away something like this, like you're going to take away the name of the team and you're going to take away the, the emblem, you're also defacing, you're taking away something that, that in, in my mind, has a good representation of, of Native Americans. It's like, hey, look, we are a team, you know, and we're, we're, they're showing, you know, you're defacing, like, yeah. like the Land of Lakes thing. Like, oh, yeah. you, took away the, you took away the Indian, kept the land. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow. There's a great meme there mm-hmm. uh, that Sean showed me. Um, yeah. But So, so I, the, the reason that it came up to me is... Um, we we use colors to describe. So I hear redskin as being a racist term, and um, maybe there's some sort of history behind it where that would make sense. But but we use colors to, to describe a lot of people. If we my brother's black, I'm white. That's not our actual color. Like my skin yeah. isn't actually white, and right. my, my brother is more like a, a dark brown than he is black. Um, we, we so we use these terms to describe. You know, they're just approximations, right? Um, although I, I've never heard of a Indian, American Indian, or a Native American, or first uh, First Nations person described as a red person either. So, like, it's a little bit different. Yeah, it was antiquated. Um, I mean, like they would, they were. In, if you were to to use a term that was used at a, at a time where they were using it in a in a bad, like, derogatory sense, right? Yeah, it would yeah. be red devils. Like that was kind of the mm. thing, and that's. But like Redskins is like you're saying, the way I see it, and you know, I might get attacked in the comments about this, is I just see it as like you said, like you call you identify people like you have blonde hair, you have brown hair, mm-hmm. you know, some people have red skin. Right. That's yeah. just the way it is. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah and, and although I, I could see a problem and I don't know if the the, the Washington Redskins are, are are this, but in some cases, like where Ryan where Ryan and I went to high school, our mascot was the Warriors. Right. right, and it was almost it was a caricaturized version, and I could see how that could be described as or, or perceived as derogatory. Well, because you, you had a white high school kid in in the headdress in you know the war paint running down the field who has nothing to do with Native Americans, like that 
I could see where that's offensive. But even if even if you, I, I totally agree with that. But even if you separate that from just a mascot, if it caricaturizes a, a person, and we can even take race out of it, mm-hmm. and and the Fighting Irish, yeah. Like, to me, that that I'm not Irish, mm-hmm. but I could see if if I'm you, also Irish, so I could speak to that. Also, <laughs> <laughs> so you're offend, you're also offended by that. Uh, no, I, I I so I think that that if I. If I look at that, it is a, a caricature of an Irish person. You know, next week we're going to have Peter Rollins on here, an Irish person. Yeah. And uh, well, I assume he's not offended by it. Also, although the Irish have certainly been oppressed and by by England in particular. Yeah. Some might argue they're still being oppressed by England if if you know you are a separatist. Uh, and and so when when I look at that, it is a caricature of a people. And the 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 charitable explanation is like we're trying to praise American Indians or Native Americans, mm-hmm. uh, but the not charitable one could be like, "Hey, that's just a character of us, and and we're not all you know, people in headdresses yeah. and 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 with with war paint or whatever." Yeah. Well, I've seen this going back years. So there's a famous mountain, not famous, but there was a mountain that that was a very large peak uh, that everyone hiked in Arizona when I lived there. Called uh, it used to be called Squaw Peak. Mm-hmm. So Squaw is just it's like a like I, I I'm there might be multiple um, definitions of the term, but Squaw is like a woman or a wife. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why is that offensive? They mm-hmm. changed the name of that to Piestawa Peak. It's named after a specific Native American. Now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why did they have to change that? That's yeah. been around for hundreds or not hundreds, probably about a hundred years that yeah. it was named that. We live in such a weird so. time because. I, there are some things I understand that we, uh, not that we should be offended by it, but we should consider others' feelings with it. Right. But then, like, the Squaw Peak thing sounds to me like it's that too far where it's like, why are we, why do we have to be offended at that? The Redskins specifically, though, that is, it's an antiquated derogatory term. So Is it, though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, I just don't know the yeah, history of it. Yeah. It is an antiquated derogatory term. So in that case, like I understand why the Redskins, why they would want to change their their name. Uh, and it sounds like it does offend some people. So some yeah. some Native Americans like but, Jordan, it doesn't offend. But what They're, about what about the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs? Right. Yes. Well, this is this is what I was saying to Sean this morning about mm-hmm. it is that this is the first time. Uh-huh. The Redskins will be the first major NFL team that's going to swipe their name from the list because of because of this PC culture. We, mm-hmm. This is going to open other, up. The we've, fl- other, we've changed other team names in the past. So mm-hmm. like the Washington Bullets. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. Washington. They're now the Washington Wizards, right? Remember Miami of Ohio used to be the Redskins. Yeah. The Red um, oh yeah. The, the and and so the Red Hawks isn't that a is that an Indian? It's derogatory towards hawks. No, no, no. But so, so like the Seminoles, for example. What is that? Florida. Yeah, Florida State. State yeah, yeah. So they got permission from the Sem- uh, from the Seminoles, the actual Seminoles. Oh, to be called to, that, yeah. To be, and, and so it's honoring a particular tribe. And so mm-hmm. I guess the question would be: At what point are you honoring? And at what point are you not? And I, I assume what Jordan is saying here is like someone is still going to be offended by by that, even though they went and got permission from a particular tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I I just think that this is there's a bigger thing that I'm I'm seeing about all this, and okay. the, and the bigger thing is that um, the more 
the more like people bend and and bow to the masses, mm-hmm. the more vanilla the world's going to become. Yeah, and that's a bigger thing. But it, like, I think this is going to open up a lot of teams' names are going to be changed yeah. after this, and it feels like a, a big stage for America. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you were talking about some basketball teams, yeah, uh, and then probably. You know, there there have been teams names that changed, but most of the name changes are for other reasons, not for yes. this reason. Right. The the so. bullets are the closest because it was, you know, all these these mass shootings started happening, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, wait a minute, like mm-hmm. we can't be the Washington Bullets, right? Right. And, and so they changed it to Washington Wizards, and yeah, and uh, some teams just don't make sense. The Utah Jazz certainly don't make sense. Yeah. Now they used to be the the New Orleans Jazz. It made that sense made when sense. they were the New Orleans Jazz. Yeah. They kept the name the Jazz, but when they moved markets, they just... And I love it because it's so incongruous. When I think of <laughs> Jazz, the last thing I think about it's is Salt, Salt Lake yeah. City. Yeah. Oh, that's funny, man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so so you're not offended. I guess some people are offended by, by it. But it's uh, maybe the question is, uh, some people are always going to be offended about everything. Mm. Someone yes. who probably there's a wizard who's offended by the Washington Wizards, a guy yeah. who identifies as a wizard. Right. And at some point, like we, we draw a line. Now there are obviously different things. I'm not equating the two, but by for we do have to compare it here. Uh, it, so when someone is is offended because there is a term that is perceived to be derogatory, whether or not the intention is that or whatever, it, and clearly you don't see it as uh, Jordan. You don't see it as something that is derogatory. At least it sounds like you don't. Kind of. Well, I have two thoughts towards this. So the first thing is that um, the the name that they're potentially thinking about going with, uh, I mean, it's just uh, it's all kind of hearsay right now. Mm-hmm. But um, based on the movie The Replacements, they that movie was based on the, during, uh, I'm not going to go too in, into it, but they, is that, this is the right movie, right, Sean? Yeah. The Replacements? A, it was the uh, NFL strike when they used yeah. those. Oh yeah. So yeah. during the NFL yes. strike, they, was, they, was it was movie. really based on the, um, uh, the the Redskins. Okay. And but they called the team the Sentinels in the movie, and everyone really liked that movie, and a lot of the Redskins fans are a big fan of that movie. Mm. So that would be like the nearest thing that they might go with, to, mm. to kind of an homage. But what I would say is is it would be a bigger disservice to Native American culture to swipe it all in general and yeah. go with another random name. It'd be much better it's so to do an honor for the Native Americans to rename it and and make the logo something that honors Native American culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's because it seems to me, me that like, Ryan, the, the, one of the things is a lot of people get offended. They think it is a caricature mm-hmm. of of them. And while you and I, like we we don't get offended just about anything, and, and, but rightfully so. Like we're not part of a marginalized group. I mean, right. It, I was gonna say it's kind of has to do with. That's like white privilege right there, really. Like, that's a piece of it, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know whether or not that's privilege. Is to, to not be marginalized doesn't seem like a privilege. It just well, it means... I mean, it, it gives you certain privileges, but the privilege to not be offended by anything. Sure, Yeah. sure. And by the way, anyone can choose to not be that's a, absolutely a, true. offended. Yeah. Um, it, but it's going to be more difficult if you're part of uh, a group that is is constantly intentionally being offended. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's harder, and so I could see that if 
you know, if I'm if I'm personally being caricatured and it's like whatever, the, people have literally drawn caricatures of us. Yeah, that's and, that's true. And they, <laughs> and like they, post- they often look silly as hell. Right, and they yeah, I got like a big chin. You got a big forehead. Right. And, yeah, it's like it's funny. <laughs> yeah. So like if if they named the team after me, it was like the Dayton Foreheads. <laughs> like, but see, that would be kind of like yeah. I know you wouldn't care, but that would be a little. I'd be like, come on, really? You named it the Dayton Foreheads after. <laughs> It's such a weird line we have right now, man. Because like I this makes me think about the Confederate statues that we have. And you know, the, the argument I'll bring it on. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so the argument for not removing Confederate statues is yeah. hey, we don't want to remove history. Mm-hmm. We want to, you know, we 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 don't want to uh we don't want to pretend that, you know, the Civil War didn't happen. We don't want to pretend that slavery didn't exist. Um so to remove, you know, to 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 make the rebel flag, uh, you know, taboo and to take down these statues, you're removing history. Um, the problem is that those statues like Williamsburg specifically after the civil war, uh, you know, the black community started to be a little prominent in, uh, Williamsburg and essentially racists took over politically Mm -hmm. and with Jim Crow laws, oppressed black people in Williamsburg and on top of it, they erected these Confederate statues. Mm-hmm. Most of them were very shoddily made, by the way. Oh, yeah, I know. Like, some of them look ridiculous. They're not even art. Right. But they, they erected these statues not to honor, but to instill fear. And, and antagonize. And to antagonize. And to say, hey, uh, yeah, slavery might be over, but this is what you get when you come to Williamsburg. Mm. It wasn't meant to honor history. And, yeah, uh, yeah and it's, uh, I don't know, it's just, we're, we're in such a weird spot right now because... Like the Chiefs, for example, like that doesn't offend me. The Redskins doesn't offend me either, but I can see where it offends other people. The yeah. statues, yeah. I, I mean, like we're just in this really weird area right now that I don't know where to like really plant my flag on well, any I, of it. I love what Jordan is saying because you could do something that honors people. Like it sounds to me like Florida State did. I'd have to really dig into the history before mm-hmm. I can endorse something like that. But yeah. it sounds to me like that that's what they did. And I think there are a few other teams who have done that as well. Is there a, 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 a black foot? Uh, team, uh, I believe it, in uh, Montana. Uh, it could be. I don't know. Yeah. Um. And I mean, the 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 black feet are all over uh, the U.S., but a lot of them are are a in lot Montana of them are in Montana. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And and so there are there there are teams who have gone out to honor the the American Indians as opposed to completely removing it that that mm-hmm. altogether. Because isn't that what the original Europeans did anyway? Is they removed to a great extent, the vast majority, over 90% of the indigenous mm-hmm. people of of the Americas, whether yeah. intentionally or unintentionally, that that's certainly what happened. To continue your, your comment on, I am also of two minds, not with the Confederate stuff. The Confederate stuff, um, I, I think these people were, were traitors. Yeah. And just we like, want to honor traitors? Yeah, you're not going to have a Hitler statue here either. Exactly. And, and so... Um, we certainly didn't forget about Hitler. Now, is is it possible to have a Hitler statue in a museum, a private museum? Yeah, there, I think some of his art, because he was a painter. I think some yeah. of his art actually ended up in a museum. I, I wouldn't doubt that. And so, so, it, but is it possible to have it in a private museum? I my argument is take all public statues and privatize them. Yes, and here's why: because we we we, we this will always be a slippery slope. Even a guy as as supposedly great as Thomas Jefferson, ask his his great great grandchildren how great he was because just the, listening to an interview about a great 
grandchild of Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, and, I, I, we grew up. There, there were a couple of descendants of Thomas Jefferson in our neighborhood or in my neighborhood mm-hmm. growing up, mm-hmm. and um, you know he had a lot of descendants. Uh, yeah, because he raped a lot of women who he thought were his property. Yeah, and so he was a rapist possibly you, you i mean i want to say even worse but how do you give him worse murder i guess i it, it, but he also did great things as well mm-hmm. with respect to the declaration of independence yeah. and, and so you can separate the sort of art from the artist or the work from the person in in this case who did some <laughs> it's like kanye west <laughs> you mean president west <laughs> i really like some of his music but kanye is a person it's like every time I listen to his music, I'm like, oh, it sucks that Kanye West made this. I mean, but I think this is true. Like uh, to me, the best example of this is Picasso. Like apparently, mm. he was just a total, he was a total shithead. Mm. Um, he was a total womanizer and potentially an abuser. And wow. and but he's also probably the most talented, or or, or if not the most talented, I, I think one of the most influential artists mm-hmm. of of all time. Yeah, and. And you have to be able to divorce, I, I think, the the work from the worker. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just going to throw everything out, right? But if there's a statue of Picasso, you're welcome to have that in your home. Yeah. I don't think it makes sense to put that on public, public land. Dis- yeah, public display. Yeah. Yeah, it, even it, the stuff like Columbus, statues of Columbus. and They're talking about renaming Columbus, Ohio to Flavortown. No, they're not. <laughs> Have you heard about this, Sean? This, that's got to be a fake news article. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's. Th- th- Did you look this up on Snopes? It's, it's the number one. It's the number one name that because they, they're talking about renaming Columbus because of Columbus. It's the number one. But well, you know why? Because uh, what's his name is from there. Guy, Guy Fieri. Fieri. Yeah. But yeah, dude. Oh, that would be funny. I, I mean, I get that. But Wouldn't when you leave the capital of Ohio was Flavortown, Ohio. When you leave it up to the public. Yeah. To name your town, you're going to end up with something like Clavertown. Did you? Yeah, or Bodie McBoderson. Exactly. Bodie McBoatface. Yeah, that's Bodie McBoatface. And then they, they, that was over in the UK, I think. Mm-hmm. And then um, they did a second vote and had them vote on it again. And it was Bodie McBoatface 2, the second or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Jordan, anything else to add on that with uh, with respect to uh, racism and, and, and Redskins? Um. Yeah, I would just say that, I mean, kind of tuning in to what you guys are just saying, that I, I think that just like art, I don't, I don't remember what like filmmaker or someone said about about taste. It's like the, the public doesn't know what they what they uh, want. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, quite often, mm. you, if you go out and ask you know, customers what they want, you, it's like, imagine if Steve Jobs would have went out and asked people what they want. They, they would have gotten you know, bigger phones, um, they would have gotten a better discman. <laughs> they, they they would have gotten you know they would have gotten a continuation of what was going on right now, not innovation. Right, right. Continuation, not innovation. Right. Yeah, I think that the 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 long line of where this is going is probably that you know it's going to be if 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 the power resides in the people the, the way it's going. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be a never-ending cycle. Yeah. We're just never going to see the end of this. Yeah. It's just going to keep getting worse. And like you said, it eventually it's going to get vanilla. I think, though, it has to get really ridiculous before we find that middle ground. Mm. And we, and I'm okay with that. We have to that. be able to push back on the pushback at some point. Yeah, exactly. And and, and that will happen when someone it, says, hey, the fighting Irish or whatever is, yeah. is racist toward Irish people. It's so funny, though, because like, I was having this conversation with Mariah the other day, how like Chris Rock, 
when he makes fun of white people is um it's hilarious mm-hmm. hilarity ensues uh you know there's the argument of like you can't really be offensive towards white people because they're not marginalized and you know whether that argument is true or not the fact is is like he is making fun of a race that i think is hilarious and i don't want him to stop sure you know so um yeah, I just don't know where to draw the line. Yeah, I, I think it's it's good faith versus bad faith too, right? Yeah. And, and so that's a harder line to draw because we start talking about intentions. Right. Speaking of intentions, I want to talk to you real quick, clarify something about empathy. We were talking a few weeks ago about empathy. More thoughts on empathy. And, and where we sort of, you know, it feels like we disagree on, on, on empathy. So in our book, a bit, yeah. Love People Use Things, there is a section about the 13 overrated virtues. Mm-hmm. And... What I mean by that is that not that it's binary, that we shouldn't have these virtues. They are actually virtues mm-hmm. in, in some cases. Yeah. And empathy, I think, is one virtue, right? Yeah. Empathy should lead to compassion. Uh, it, yeah, absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what we, you and I got stuck on the, the definition because uh, we were talking about, you were asking me what the definition was, and I was talking about suffering. And it's feeling the other person suffering. You're like, well, no, it's actually, it's also, it's feeling all the emotions. And I agree with that. Mm -hmm. But the difference was like, we know we already want to feel someone else's joy. Mm -hmm. I think we overvalue sometimes empathy because we don't understand that we, if we feel someone else's suffering, it can actually be bad, not just for us, but bad for the other person. However, but it's not, yeah, keep going. Well, Go I'm just going to say that... In regards to feeling other people's suffering, on uh, that specific definition that really is a paraphrased definition of empathy, mm-hmm. then yes, you're right. Like, you don't want to just sit there and wallow in someone else's suffering. Right. And so empathy it can be good when we're experiencing the joy of someone else. Well, yeah, yes, but also, like, there is, there are times when in my life where I just need to sit and listen to someone. And when they are talking to me and they're expressing their grief, they just need someone to listen. Yeah. And it helps if I can listen, but not only that, but empathize with them and really understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that I sit there and like I can't sleep at night and I fall into a depressive state, but to sit there and be like, yeah, you know what? I understand why you feel that way. Yeah. And I have felt that way before too. Right. And no, I, I agree with that. So and even even experiences someone's you know pain or suffering, whatever you want to call it, that it yeah is it overrated? Yes, because you don't want to just do that. However, the, it's just like jealousy. Mm-hmm. Like jealousy is a wasted emotion. However, it could be a very great symptom. It could it could identify help you identify something in your life that is much deeper than jealousy. Yeah, I, th- I think the difference between empathy and jealousy is I think jealousy is a false virtue. We mm-hmm. we we value it when it has no real value. Empathy. I think has value and then we tend to overvalue it because we mistake empathy for compassion in some some cases. So my my ultimate argument is we do need to have empathy mm-hmm. and it is an important virtue. But just like the ice cream sandwiches we were talking about during the minimal episode, we don't want to have 10 ice cream sandwiches mm-hmm. because at some point there there is too much. There can be too much empathy. I don't know yes. whether there can be too much compassion. And, and yeah. there, there may be, and we'd have to really dissect that. Yeah, I, th- I think I, on the surface, I totally agree with that statement. I think compassion is stronger than empathy. But the, yeah, but there is a time and place for empathy. And sur- right. just like anything else, and so, well, I guess it's not like anything else, because like you said, compassion, you can't really have too much of. Right, um, and, and so, so there are some things, love, caring, understanding, 
that that we can't have too much of. Mm-hmm. But then there are some some of these virtues where they're good in small doses, right? They're mm-hmm. they're they're the um, uh, the dill or the oregano of of flavoring your life. But if you put too much of it in there, it's going to over literally overwhelm you with mm-hmm. with su- with someone else's suffering. Yeah. But having the appropriate amount does help you like you said better understand someone else uh, someone else's circumstance or their geography where they're coming from either literally or figuratively mm-hmm. and so being able to understand someone is 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 great and in fact the book that that particular section in the chapter ends with saying find it, it talks about finding the appropriate amount of some of these virtues yeah whereas some of them you want none at all jealousy right. or or righteousness or negativity yeah these are not these are not actual virtues yeah what i hear you trying to communicate is that you're not you feeling someone else's pain and suffering doesn't just make you a good person like right and right. and walking around and like focusing on like oh yeah like i feel their pain like it's it could even be a selfish endeavor yeah of course, it, yeah. you, you know you you've met people who get addicted to um, being empathetic in a way. Yeah, where where they it almost makes them high, right? Yeah. Um, yeah anyway, um, I feel threatened. <laughs> <laughs> did you see this video recently? No, dude. This guy was at a Costco, and did you guys see this, Jordan or Sean? No. This guy's at a Costco, and he. Uh, he's wearing some sort of like shirt that says like dominating the world since 1776 or something. Yeah. And of course, he's one of these guys who refuses to wear a mask. Good grief. And he's at a Costco, right? And, uh, let me just be clear here. I think as American or as a human, as a human, a government shouldn't force you to wear a mask. Shouldn't force you to do anything, really. Yes. Um, there are probably a few exca- exceptions to that. Right. Uh, but but they shouldn't force you to wear a mask, but also a business shouldn't be forced to let you in without a mask. Right. And 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 it's so funny to me that you see... So- I'm wondering if these guys who just all together refuse to wear masks have small penises. Probably. You know what I think... L- it- well, let me explain why. Do you know what I think it is? What? I think... Oh, wait, do you want you can finish your explanation? Well, I just Go think ahead. that the government They're insecure for sure. The government makes you wear pants. Yeah. Now are you going around saying, I can't believe the government's making me wear pants and yeah. I'm just gonna take my pants off in the store? Yeah. No, it is it is insecure and it might have to do with penis size. Well yeah, and so What about the women though? They also I have <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to, no, have to get back here's to you what, on that. Here's what it is, man. Yeah, tell me. Um my theory, people who are offended by the mandate to wear a mask yeah have so little control they feel like they have so little control over their life oh that this is just one more thing that they don't have control over because when i look at the mask um i could care less about the mask i you know it's very weird how in the beginning they're like don't wear masks they don't do anything and now all of a sudden they do something so uh-huh. like that kind of throws up a red flag with sure. me um i do understand the spittle part of it yeah, if I have coronavirus, it's going to keep my spittle close to me rather than like you know it keeps extending safe, it. Safe, not you safe. Also, yeah, also helps me not touch my face, you know, or you know, put my finger in my mouth to chew my nail, which I always do. Um, so, like, do I see a benefit to the mask? Sure. However, I'm not going to sit here and be like, masks is what's going to curb this and what's going to save our lives. No, but I feel like I have enough freedom in my life and enough influence over myself that like to have a a a mask mandated to wear Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, okay. Like if that's what makes you happy, because I don't feel like I'm being controlled, but I think people who feel like they have no control over their life, it's just one more thing that they don't have control over. So, so they kick back on it. Cause if you think about like, think about Missoula, Montana. Okay. Uh, I have a friend there who was like wearing her mask, walking down the street and like these dudes and you know, rednecks in a truck, which is not really Missoula, Montana. I mean, it's probably the rest of Montana, but they're like, you know, roll down the window and they're like, you know, like you're a sheeple wearing your mask. Well, guess what? When there's forest fires in Missoula Uh and the air quality is so bad, Uh I see a lot of people wearing masks to to block out the pollution. Uh So uh, it it doesn't make, the mask thing doesn't make sense to me because this is something that we've always worn. Doctors have to be in surgery for, you know, up to 18, 20 hours wearing a mask. Yeah. There's no adverse health effects from it. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's the symbol of the mask, I think, that people push against. Yeah, and by the way, let, let me be clear. I dislike wearing one, and yeah. I don't wear one when other people aren't around. I wore one the other day with my glasses. I was like, oh, I see why people hate wearing this freaking mask. I see why that lady cut a hole <laughs> in her mask, <laughs> <laughs> in her mouth. Yeah, I was downtown yesterday, yeah. uh, Los Angeles, and it was so hot. It was like 95, 96 degrees, and I'm wearing this mask, and it's like, it creates this little microclimate on your face. I dislike it. And I don't think, I, like, like you said, it's not it's not the end all be all. It's not going to s- solve all of our problems. Here's where we are though, right now. Right now, there are a lot of people who are terrified. Yeah. And and we're seeing huge spikes uh, as of this recording in coronavirus cases. By the way, I don't need to wear a mask because I've already had the coronavirus. I've had COVID, mm-hmm. and the likelihood of me getting it again and spreading it is is l- less likely than if we had a vaccine. And, yeah. and, and so I, I'm functionally immune to it. Now, yeah. is it possible you to get reinfected? I don't know. Probably maybe. not, but maybe. And, and so why am I wearing a mask? Is be, it, it's, The only reason is because I don't want other... I, I, I am, I'm experiencing compassion. I'm showing compassion yeah. for other people who are yes. terrified right now. Now, long term, I think it's unreasonable to expect everyone to wear masks. And mm-hmm. I would push back long term. And, and, and I, so I, I get the, the, the impulse. But that's why I brought up the... I don't actually think people who refuse to wear a mask have a small penis. I don't of think it matters not. whether uh, the size of your penis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what I'm saying is like, you're already mandated to wear pants and I don't see anyone freaking out about, about that. having to wear pants. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. I just think it's one more thing that for people who already have out of control lives, it's just one more thing that they're out of control of. So uh, what happened in this video? Oh, so the guy, he's yeah. at a Costco and he walks in without a mask. Yeah. And they're like, so you're going to have to, you're going to put, put a, a mask, mask on. on leave. And he's yeah. like, uh, back up. I feel threatened. And like, he's like, I don't know if it's like some law. Was he in Florida or wherever he was? And and I guess if you say, I feel threatened, you're allowed to kill someone. I have no idea what the, uh, what the law is. Sean would know. He's a concealed carry guy. Can you say, (laughs) I feel threatened and then just unload a clip into someone? (laughs) (laughs) Sean's saying no. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. He's yelling, I feel threatened, Mm -hmm. but he's like screaming at this Costco employee and Mm -hmm. like just the weird sense of entitlement that this guy has that, I refuse to wear a mask, but Ooh, I'm entitled that's... to be in your. I'm entitled to be in your space mm-hmm. and make everyone else feel unsafe in this time of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. 
Long term, you're not going to be asked to wear a mask. Everyone knows that we're not going to go. There's no conspiracy where the government. I hate wearing a mask for several reasons. It's mm-hmm. hot. It also makes my face break out for whatever reason. Yeah. When I, you see my chin right now, it's all broken out. It makes because, my face itch with the beard. There's a lot of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I, I break out like crazy wearing these masks. I dislike it. Mm-hmm. It's not enjoyable. And But short term, I am going to try to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. So what did they do with this guy? What was the end result? He got fired from his job. Um, the Costco employee did? No. The, the, he, oh, the he, guy the, who was yelling at the Costco Yeah, he employee. worked for this insurance company. It's, and the insurance company's like, hey, this guy doesn't really reflect our values. Mm. And I get it. Like, if all of a sudden I saw a video, I, Sean would never do this. But if right. Sean's in, in Costco yelling at employees, saying, oh, I feel... Th-, and he's, like, coming at them. He, he puts this, like... This, I mean, if you're watching this on video, he has this, this like muscle man, muscle man stance. stance and he yeah. wasn't a muscular man either. Good God! Um, he has this muscle man stance. I feel threatened, and it's like, no, you don't. There's some lady asking you to please put a mask on. You don't yeah. feel threatened, buddy. Dude, you hit the nail on the head with entitlement. I mean, that is. I think that's the biggest problem we have in, because it's like people feel entitled to be offended yeah i'm entitled to be offended and then people on the other end are like i'm entitled to not care about you being offended right and it just it it becomes this entitlement problem where so maybe the the key is to set aside the entitlement yeah if people were yeah if people worked more towards compassion than entitlement Mm -hmm. it would be a much different country yeah but unfortunately understand what they're going through yeah but unfortunately man like the entitlement thing is God, dude, it's, it's just, I don't, where do we get that from? Is it, I mean, does it go all the way back to like America's beginning of, you know, you can be any religion you want as long as it's Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're entitled to any Christian religion. <laughs> exactly. Um, what, what did Frank Underwood say about entitlement? Oh yeah, you're entitled to nothing. I totally agree with so, him. Let me repeat that. You are entitled to nothing. Yeah, I mean, the only, the, uh, and I know I've talked about this before, but I will ask people, you know, what do you think we're born entitled to? Mm-hmm. And I've asked this in all in a bunch of different countries. And a t- typical answer is like clean air, clean water, which may be true. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but the yeah, best what answer if you're born in Montana, right? Exactly. Like the, three months out of the year, it's going to be bad air. Regardless, you you yeah. don't you're not entitled to it, right? Uh. The best answer I heard was this Irish gentleman in Cork, Ireland, and he was like, "We have we're we're entitled to be left alone." Mm. And I was like, "That." And the other one I heard, I forget who said this, but uh, they said entitled to peace, which to me is the same thing as being left alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Sean would agree with the entitled to be left alone. Part. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the one thing we're born <laughs> with is an entitlement to be left alone. Well, we had some questions here. Let's go. We got a bunch of them. Let's let's see what we can get to. Let's start with Sarah's question, Ryan. All right, I'm a creature of habit when it comes to clothing and jewelry. I've purged and donated most of my clothing, so it's mainly stuff I actually wear and use. But I still have a lot of excess jewelry I haven't gone through yet. Where do you draw the line for sentimental pieces? Well, congratulations, Sarah. First off, for declaring as much as you did. That's awesome. Um, so where do you draw the line with sentimental pieces? Here's, here's what I did with my mom's stuff. But let me let me just say this. When you draw a line, be prepared. Draw it in pencil. 
Mm. Don't draw it in permanent marker. I like that. Because with my mom's stuff, this is funny. I, I just realized this recently, Ryan. We're filming. We finished filming uh, Less Is Now, mm-hmm. and we had to do some B-roll, some stuff recently. And Matt asked me, because in there I talk about the few sentimental items that I held on to with my mom's stuff. The mm-hmm paintings some photographs and uh these doilies etc that, that i that i held on to and i list them and matt's like hey can i take some film of can i film the things you held on to and i'm like wow i've redrawn the line mm. because over the last decade there were some things i, I held on to that were sentimental to me at the time mm-hmm. but over time i realized that i had given up my attachment to them yeah and so i was willing and maybe I hadn't completely given up the attachment. I had initially loosened my grip yeah. because the key to letting go is first loosening your grip. Yeah. And over those first five, six years, I loosened my grip. By the time we, we moved to Montana, I had gotten rid of most of those sentimental items. And then mm. we moved to California, I got rid of the last few. Mm. And so now the only thing I have are, are some photographs. And, and so I continue to, to redraw the line as my preferences change. Now, sometimes, Ryan, that takes... That takes a, a small leap of faith. Like I'm not, I haven't completely let go of the thing yet until I've actually let go of it. Mm-hmm. And and so realizing that it may, it takes that last little bit of 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 loosening the grip before you actually let go. Yeah. And, and so with the sentimental items, for me, I don't I don't really treat anything as sentimental anymore. And I know that's I'm not trying to be a Zen master here. I'm just saying over the time I've learned that the Things are only sentimental if I, if I impose sentimentality onto them, mm-hmm. and and so I don't I don't treat anything as sentimental anymore. But there are a few things that I held on to for a bit too long, and I realized that I need to let go so I could move on. Yeah, I think that line. I mean, it's really up to Sarah, right? Like she's got to decide what is she willing to hold on to, and what is the price of admission that she's willing to pay for it. Yeah. Um, because I mean, if someone has 10,000 sentimental items and like, I would argue they don't have any. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But also, first off, I wouldn't judge someone for having 10,000 sentimental items. If they were like, you know, uh, spread out throughout the house, a couch, a painting, maybe a couple pieces of jewelry. I mean, whatever it is, if they were things that were legitimately serving a purpose or, or bringing that person joy, Mm-hmm. then great. But to your point, if they have 10,000 sentimental items and yeah, there's really not anything that's super sentimental. Um, but Sarah, you've got to decide what that line is. I mean, for me, that's what it comes down to is why am I holding on to a sentimental item? I have, I, I know I talk about this Stein that my grandma gave me. I've talked about this several times. In fact, I picked up a second one from her. Mm. Um, when she, when I was down in Florida helping her move, like uh, it was May of last year. But um, I use them both. Like one of them has uh, coins and stuff that like just like loose change, and then the other one, um, I think it has like the foreign currency. Like we, you know, we'll have leftover foreign currency, foreign currency when we come back from a, a country, and then I'll go in there and grab it if we're going back to that country to spend it. Yeah. Um, but it serves a purpose. If I had the Stein just like sitting on the mantle, like I don't know. It could be it, a piece of art, and yeah, it and, could and be that. that in and of itself, when we say serves a purpose or brings you joy, we can break down the joy thing. There's a difference between pleasure and joy and happiness yeah. and contentment. Those are four different uh, words that are used synonymously often, but they, I think they are distinct terms that mean distinctly different things. Yeah. But the serves a purpose. Purpose can be beauty. 
and that's, that's yeah. where the utilitarians differ from from the minimalists. Minimalists believe that beauty is essential, and this is something Erwin McManus taught me. Yeah, um, that that beauty is an essential part of life, and so if they are bringing some sort of aesthetic beauty to your to your life, that, then that's great. But if you're asking this question, it means you probably have some things that are simply getting in the way. They are the opposite of, of beauty then. They're not beautiful. Your house is full of things that are extracting the beauty from your life. Yeah. We have a question here from Star. What stuff do people own that you find to be absolutely unnecessary? This is <laughs> a trick question. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, the, the funny thing is that unnecessary for who yeah. would be my my answer to your question right and, and so I, I don't mean to just simply answer your question with some sort of zen cohen here but uh, unnecessary for them or unnecessary for me because yes if i go to sean's house i will see a lot of unnecessary things specifically unnecessary for me right and be and same with, with you ryan if mm-hmm. you own uh let's say you owned a bunch of records Mm-hmm. Well, I don't have a record player, so those records would be unnecessary for me. Yeah, and and I might own, you know, a lemon strainer, but if you never strain a lemon, <laughs> right? Then it, that lemon strainer is going to be unnecessary for you. Yeah. Now, are there any universal items that that I look at and I say, "Wow, that no one ever needs to have"? I'm that? really trying to think of like a smart ass answer. The snuggie. The snug. Right. Exactly, dude. Like, <laughs> have you heard of Sham Wow? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, th- there are there are some things like that. You know, Jim Baker's apocalypse buckets of food. Like, yeah. I-, I would look at that and say that was probably an unnecessary purchase. Yeah. Uh, anything that's on QVC is likely unnecessary. <laughs> uh, but guess what? The internet is now is now QVC on on your Instagram feed. Basically, yeah. it's a it's a more aesthetically pleasing QVC. That's yeah. that's all it is. They're selling you the same junk. And so realizing that most of these things, here's here's my better answer, Ryan. Most of our things are unnecessary. Mm. If the average American household has three hundred thousand items in it, most of them are unnecessary. Most of them are getting in the way, and you can let go of most of those things. But you need to determine what specifically is unnecessary for you and by proxy what is necessary also what is non-essential but adds value to your life yeah we need to we, in our minimalist rule book the, the minimalist rule book 16 rules for living with less uh, on our website theminimalists.com slash rulebook if you want to download it we go into the difference between we call it the no junk rule everything in your house could be set into one of three piles. It is either essential, it is, or it is non-essential, or it is junk. Yeah. Our essential things are pretty much the same for all of us, right? We all need some some clothes. I mean, I guess we all have to wear pants and <laughs> a guess, mask. I guess if you're a fake minimalist, you need clothes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so we all need some clothes. We need shelter. We need food, etc. These are essential items. That's the smallest uh, thing on, on our list. Then the middle is the non-essential items. These are the things that add value to our yeah. life that we don't necessarily need, but they add value. Yeah. And, and so things that bring beauty. Like that's right, totally right. Un- unnecessary. I mean, I don't need or, or you don't they, need they, it to live have, or survive. Right. I don't no. need my couch. I don't need my dining room table. I could live without them. Right. But they do enhance my experience of life, and so I do get value from them. However, 
I think, unfortunately, we, we often confuse the non-essentials and the junk. We say, well, yeah, yeah, I, I get value from that, but we don't really. And so most of the things in our homes are actually junk, but we're parading them around as these, these non-essentials or we even pretend they're essential yeah. sometimes. And so finding that line between those three things, I, I like to obviously have the essentials. I have the non-essentials where it makes sense, although sometimes I'll temporarily deprive myself of those non-essentials to make sure they're not junk. Right. Because sometimes I can justify anything. Oh, that's not junk. I actually need it. Yeah. Nah, sometimes it's, it's just junk. Yeah. Sandra has a question for us. Does Marie Kondo own too much stuff? Depends. How many things does she have? <laughs> is there a list of somewhere of all the things she owns? I don't know, but if it's more than 288, which I found is the perfect number of items. <laughs> is I, it the minimalist.com forward slash 288? I think it is. Yeah. Um, anyway, the yeah that that still haunts me 10 years later i wrote this essay it, it was the 288 things i own it was satirical yeah it was supposed to be a parody of like and colin pe- wright our friend and, and people quote you on it and yeah and, and nina yao owned like 15 things at the oh time my and my the whole point was like minimalists don't count don't have to count their things you can if you want i don't care if you do count it count all you want i have ocd i count stuff all the time i count the stairs on the way here uh, but you don't have to count your things in order to be a, a minimalist and by the way if it's a game to see how few items you can get then i don't know marie kondo will probably beat me i, I I'm, I'm not entirely sure right yeah. it's not the game that i'm playing though i think she sells too many things oh yeah she, she has <laughs> a she has a store right and but she doesn't proclaimed to be a minimalist right. either um she is she's an, an organizer organ- right she, yeah and, and, so she sells things to organize yeah and, and she's one of the best organizers in the world 100 percent. and and so does she own too many things you'd have to ask her i would yeah i personally yeah I, like yeah I, I would never judge anyone on the even a hoarder like if, if i went to a hoarder's house if anything i would just empathize with like oh wow you must be experiencing a lot of pain yeah and that pain is leading you to owning this stuff right and i hope that you can get through that pain yeah, like, I would. You, ne- you felt that pain before, sure. Uh, but I would never look at someone and be like, "Oh, you own too much stuff." Right. But with Marie Kondo, the, I mean, just personally, I couldn't. I just couldn't open up a storage container store, right? You know, like or an organizing store because I know that I'm actually enabling people to hoard. Yeah. With the with the container stuff, right? But, but that's me also. It, and, and, and my my opinion is not the end all be all. Right, and what you're saying there is, so ultimately, does Marie Kondo own too much stuff? Yes, she owns too much stuff for me, Right. but she might own the perfect amount of stuff for her. Yeah, totally. Jeff has a question for us. Is minimalism dying? Well, guys, this is our last podcast. <laughs> I'm afraid so. <laughs> Not. Uh, yeah, so this question has come up in, in various forms over the last five months or so. I would say this question has come up within the last 3000 years yes. man yeah yeah so 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 it's come up specifically in in the, the media pan, recently the pandemic yeah because here's the charitable hypothesis behind this is everyone's stuck at home now they're working from home and they're realizing all the things they got rid of now they want how does that even make sense i'm realizing the opposite as we started off the minimal episode right Ryan, yes. what did I say? That that this year has shed light on the previously unknown excess. We're yeah. actually realizing we we still have too much even though we've simplified our lives. Totally agree, man. When you're steeped in the stuff, you realize like, oh, 
Mm-hmm. I'm not using all the things I thought I there's was going not, to use. Yeah, there's not one thing that during this pandemic I was like, oh, I wish I would have. Even with toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit more difficult to find. Food was a little bit more difficult to find at a certain point. But even then, I I wasn't like kicking myself. I'd be like, oh, I should have stocked up on toilet paper. Right. And I should have bought the buckets of food. Right. And, yeah. and also... I really missed my President's Club award. I shouldn't have gotten rid of that. Yeah, dude. My yeah. my eighth grade fourth place basketball tournament trophy. Yeah. What? I don't know why I would need to hold on to that now that we're in a pandemic. What am I going to do with an old basketball trophy? With your old President's Club award, which by the way was gaudy. Yeah. I, I remember I had horrible, I had dude. several of them, yeah. and they were they were weapons. Yeah. They were sharp and heavy, and dude, uh, when I threw that away, it felt so good. I just remember, like, that was in the box that I threw away after I got laid off. Uh-huh. And, I, and for some reason, like, yeah, it was that award, and I want to be recognized, and I want to remember, and I'm like, why the hell do I want to remember this? Yeah. But, yeah, I totally agree. I think I think minimalism is going to see a resurgence. Absolutely. Instead of dying, here's the thing. In 2008, after the crash, there was this response called minimalism mm-hmm. that really took off online. Now, there are Previous movements before that, voluntary simplicity, every major world religion, Stoicism, Epicureanism, yeah. uh, Fight Club, whatever you want to call it, right? right? It's been it, around for a while. They were all, but what happened in 2008 is there was this crash, and we realized that we had been over-consuming. We were, we were facing consumerism and debt. Those were the two big problems in the aftermath, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, so forth and so on. Over the course of the entire last decade, the, the 2010s, we, we were faced with consumerism and debt. That's what minimalism was fighting against, an old message fighting against a, a new-ish problem, mm-hmm. right? Or at least a problem that manifested in new ways. Yeah. And so we had more debt than ever. We had more consumerism than ever. And now with this pandemic, I think we've 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 shed a light on two other things that have that have really accumulated over the last decade. And I think minimalism is also an answer to these two things. Hmm. Decadence and distraction. Hmm. And man, we're really fa- especially being stuck in our homes. Mm-hmm. And and the the screen thing that Ronnie Chang says in his Netflix special, where every night in America is a, it seems like a competition to see how many screens we can get between our faces and the wall. And those these are just distraction machines in our pocket. And so minimalism is not just a way to help us deal with the consumption, the physical clutter, but also this attention clutter that has mounted over the course of the last decade. And also this sort of decadence that we're experiencing where we all need luxury and plush and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and aesthetic aesthetics over function. And, and that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. I I want form to follow. uh, uh, I I want form to follow function, not the other way around. And, and I think, is minimalism dying? No, I think it's going to be repurposed now to help us yeah. deal with these new distractions that we have. I don't know why people get so mad at like some of the articles. You know, minimalism is dead. It's like I don't. They take like one angle of it and then they attack it, like almost trying to cancel minimalism. But like it's been around for so many thousands of years. Like it's yeah, yeah. of course it's not dying. I would like to know, however, anyone listening to this, if they have experienced during the pandemic oh shit moment I shouldn't have got rid of that yeah and let us know in the comments section I think it's great alright Ryan we have another question here from Beth what to do when you're overwhelmed with the process of removing stuff 
and forward progress becomes difficult. I would rephrase the question a little bit here. I would say, how do you let go when you're overwhelmed by decluttering? Yeah. Because that's what's happening right now. And this happened to me as well. When I dealt with my mom's stuff after she died, I was overwhelmed with that, but not as much as when I got home. Yeah. And I realized like, oh, I'm an organized hoarder. Mm. I, my, my house looked like an advertisement for a container store. Mm. And, and so it was overwhelming. Where do I even start? And I wish I would have, you know, the, the reason we've come up with all these rules, whether it's the minimalist rule book or the 30 day minimalism game or, or whatever it is, is because I wish I would have had these things to start. Yeah. The 30 day minimalism game in particular is actually how I start, uh, is, a, is a iteration on how I started. Mm-hmm. The, what I asked myself early on, because w- I, I didn't know what to do, I didn't know where to start, and so I just sort of threw my hands up, and I was exacerbated. Yeah. And most people, that's what happens, you were exacerbated by your stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I said, what if I just got rid of one item, one material possession a day for, uh, for a month? Just one item a day for a month. So 30 days, 30 items, mm-hmm. what would happen? Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out I got rid of way more than 30 items because as you get that momentum, if I get rid of one thing today, I'm not going to stop with one thing. Right. And that was the whole point of the minimalism game mm-hmm. where you start with with one item, but then the next day you are able to get let go of a little bit more. So two items. Next day, three items. A little bit more each day because you get that momentum. And, and what I find is some people will tweet us or they'll message us on YouTube or, or whatever and they'll say, Hey, I, after like day five, I found I had already gotten rid of 500 things mm. because I, I just needed that initial spark to start letting go. It yeah. starts this beautiful conflagration of, of getting rid of stuff. So, yes, I mean, obviously, I think you start with a 30-day minimalism game, theminimalists.com slash game, and you just go from there. This question makes me think about uh, being on the exercise bike. I turn the resistance like way up. Yeah. And then within... This doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes I turn it too far up mm. and I'm like, oh crap, like I can't continue this resistance. So my inclination is to just like take off all the resistance and keep going. But I'm like, if I take all the resistance off, then I'm going to lose this momentum that I've built during this bike ride. So the question is, is if you have too much resistance right now, how can you take a little bit of the resistance off? So, you know, if you are overwhelmed with, uh, with decluttering, and you're tackling your house all at once, then just move it to like a closet or something. Just don't lose that momentum though. But yeah, yeah it's okay to turn on the resistance a little bit. I love that analogy. The 30-day the thirty day minimalism game is a great way to, because to me that seems like a good middle ground. You're still getting rid of stuff. It actually turns up the resistance slowly for you. Yeah. Because imagine if you had to start the opposite. Now, some people do this, mm-hmm. but if you had to get rid of, 31 items the first day you'd be like wow that might be too much it's too much resistance to start it's just like when you start doing the exercise bike you don't crank it all the way up immediately right it's slowly turning that resistance yeah. up i love that oh, analogy even better it made me think like the, when i turn the resistance up is because i start out at a level that i think like oh this is going to be a good resistance to keep me working out and then it's really easy yeah and i'm like oh i can crank this up and then I do crank it up, and it's great for a very short period of time. Right. So, yeah, I could see where going through that decluttering process, you get really excited. You start, you know, you, you turn it up, yeah. and then you get to a point where you're like, oh, no, I've overwhelmed myself. And so, yeah, you got to turn it back down. I think the last simple sort of trick here is start with the things that are easier for you. 
you don't want to start with your most precious, most sentimental items. Now, you might have a bunch of those that actually end up not being sentimental items for mm-hmm. you, and we already talked about that a bit earlier on. But you you will have some things where you're like, I know that triple X orange sweatshirt that I haven't worn since 2003. Just mail it to Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, yeah, I got to get bigger clothes to cover up these muscles. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but there, there are things no, that, that... You absolutely know. That you know. Mm-hmm. They're just in the way. Start with those because that will start to get you the momentum and then you'll start questioning the other things that you know you should probably get rid of as yeah. well uh, one other thing we forgot about this uh, article the top seven ways to declutter your closet more about less so uh, got too much stuff try these seven tips to help pare down now ryan i saw this and i didn't know whether or not i agreed or disagreed with it. i didn't this is one of the few times i haven't read the article beforehand mm. and so i may agree or may disagree the same with you i'm, I'm, I'm not sure mm-hmm. But uh, we'll put a link to this in the show notes as well. Tip number one, realize that more stuff does not equal more happiness. Well, I certainly agree with that. Yeah, I'm not going to read, read the whole article here. But uh, it is one unfortunate problem is more stuff does tend to lead to more pleasure in the short term. And mm-hmm. I think it actually leads to less pleasure in the long term. I would also argue that if you are homeless and have nothing. <laughs> yes. There is a certain level of things or resources mm-hmm. that is going to give you better quality of life. Yes, and and even though even if you're homeless though, it's still about having the right things, right? Yeah, yeah. And so this is true with everyone having having the appropriate things are, are important. And I would say even especially you, know, you and I grew up really poor. Mm-hmm. If we have fewer resources, you want to make sure that you're using those resources on the right things. Hundred percent. Yeah. So certainly agree with that first tip. Number two is commit to 30 days. Yes, 30 days of tidying every day. Well, Interesting. I would just call it the 30-day minimalism game. You can call it whatever you want. I avoid tidying. Um, yeah. I mean, I like to have a tidy house for sure. Yeah. But I think tidiness is a result of removing the excess. You can store things. The problem is I had, I also had, an, I had organized hoarding in my house Mm -hmm. and it was tidy but it was a disaster of clutter and so tidying alone does not fix the problem right so yeah totally agree let's let's not let's not fix the problem by tidying let's tidy by fixing the problem amen tweet that podcast sean preach tip number three listen to what your clutter is trying to tell you what's it saying it's like you hold it up like hello hello oh it sounds like the ocean (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, read the first couple sentences of that yeah let's do it so the stuff piling up in your home might be a sign there's something you need to mentally unpack as well Uh, in her work professional organizer Star Hansen has seen how people's emotional upheavals can lead to household messes a lingering argument between husband and wife resulted in a kitchen where the counters couldn't be seen for the junk uh the heart heartbreak drove a man to fill his bedroom with boxes. Clutter mm. is an external demonstration of our internal storms. So the question is: says. is what what does this external clutter represent? What's what's going on inside of us? I think it's a hundred percent of the time that's true. So, yeah. So so but here's the problem with with saying blanket statements like this. Like of course the 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 popular minimal maxim that we will say is that our physical 
our material possessions are physical manifestation physical manifestation of what's going on inside us mm-hmm. our material possessions are a physical manifestation of what's going on inside us mm-hmm. so dealing with the external clutter allows us to look inward and deal with the mental clutter the spiritual clutter the psychological clutter mm-hmm. the internal clutter right yeah and spiritual clutter whatever you want to call it and but you need to identify what that internal clutter is, right. and then you even get, need to get more granular than that. If it's spiritual clutter, then what does that even mean for you in your life? It's probably going to look different from what it would mean for me, and even with me and Bex, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Bex was probably a more spiritual person th- than me, mm-hmm. and, and so what does that mean specifically for her? And, and so we need to get really specific. Yes, your clutter does mean there's something going on inside, but guess what? When you get rid of all the clutter, there's still something going on inside we need to deal with. Dealing with the clutter just allows us the time to actually deal with it. 100%. 100%. Number four says, attack the attack the stress of cleaning with some adva- advanced planning. So the, it goes on to say, let's just say it together. Cleaning is stressful. In fact, memories of the tension caused by your last bout of cleaning could be dissuading you from doing it again. I don't know that I agree with this one at all. To me, cleaning is meditative. Now, does it mean that I want to do it all the time? <laughs> also, ironing to you is meditative. Yeah, absolutely, but that, <laughs> ironing could be perceived as cleaning in a way, right? Could be, it's, yeah. uh, and so it's part of the whole process. If it, it, Maybe it's the last part of the laundry process or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, it, just because something's meditative doesn't mean I want to do it all the time. I don't want to meditate all the time either. Yeah. In fact, I find really great excuses to not meditate. But do I get value from meditating? Mm -hmm. Yes. And do I find cleaning to be meditative? Yes, it certainly can be. Mm -hmm. And cleaning to me is really simple. I think the problem is we overcomplicate cleaning. Yeah. We need the right solution and cleanser and that. No, no, no. You can mop your floor with just water. It's fine. You can use a little bit of solution if you like, especially we live in LA and so like there's soot everywhere because the air is dirty and we leave our windows open all the time. And so when we mop, I put a little bit of the, what is it called? Myers. Um, Yeah. And, and it's, we just do a little castile soap, man. Yeah. And and that's fine. And uh, you can come over my house. I don't have like the bleaches and I don't have like all the harsh chemicals and all this because you don't need it, right? By the way, you don't want to disinfect everything. I know it feels like right now because of coronavirus, we're disinfecting more and I understand why we're doing that. But also a reminder, if you're putting disinfectant on your hands every day, you're killing your gut microbiome. You know what's happened since I um, started putting the, um, what's it called? Hand Hand sanitizer. I've got this damn wart. I got to get it zapped off this Wednesday. Oh, damn. Because you... I'll just bite it off. Come here, let me see that. (laughs) You're killing (laughs) your skin microbiome with all of these antibacterials. Interesting. And and you're doing the same in your household. One of the best predictors of a strong immune system is, is having enough of the microbes and the viruses around mm-hmm. that your body can deal with it. Yeah. Um, now, you obviously don't want to be inundated with all these viruses and bacteria constantly, but you need enough that your immune system is able to to get stronger. There's yeah. no, no question about the, that. The one thing I'll caution with this tip is don't get caught in the planning process because like a plan is nothing without action. I don't even know why. I, I totally agree with that. But... A cleaning plan should be one of the most minimal plans there there are. Yeah, I for me. I mean, if you're t- if you're approaching clutter, I could see where a plan would be helpful. But you're right. That's not cleaning though. That, that's decluttering. Right. Exactly. And let's not confuse the two. Right. Yeah. Uh, tip number five: Put everything you don't need in a box and forget about it. Well, we might call <laughs> that a packing party. 
Oh Holy my God. crap. Pre- well, what does it say to do? That looks like a pretty short couple paragraphs. What yeah. does it say? Well, like ex- expound Is there a bag that. of stuff or is there a bag or a box of stuff that's sat untouched in your home for a year or more? Instead of beating yourself up about it, use it as a shortcut to a more stripped down life. Um, I'm not going to read the rest of it, but. So uh, basically it's saying that if you have these boxes that you've forgotten about, just get rid of them. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. Yeah, sure. You're right. It's a packing party. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, put everything in a you don't need in a box and forget about it. Yes, we call that a packing party. But but really, what it's saying is is put everything you don't need in a box, let it go, and forget about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, what? It's just it's just gonna sit there. Yeah, that's that would be terrible advice if it Those just. Those are the worst there. boxes I had because then you open it up later and you're like, oh yeah, this is a copy of some Xbox game I had, and <laughs> I might want to give this to a kid. Yeah, that's why I was holding on to it. Tip number six, evaluate your attitude toward cleaning. Uh, again, I would say decluttering, not not cleaning. Yeah. Uh, cleaning is meaningful work that's worth investing in, declares Ted Fellow and graffiti artist Mondando. Since 2002, in a joyous public art project called Pimp My Karoka, <laughs> he and his team of volunteers have decorated hundreds of Karokas, carts used by the people who collect recyclable trash from the streets of Brazil. Aha. Mm. It is a Portuguese word. Hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. So so evaluate your your attitude toward cleaning or decluttering. What, what I would say here is that, yes, look at it as though it's not a chore. It's a thing that is freeing. Yeah. It's something you have to do in order to free yourself of the burden that you've accumulated. Look at it as a way uh as another way of saying like don't perpetuate your negative attitude towards cleaning because that's really easy to get caught up in number seven is finally turn down the volume of your inner nitpicker (laughs) when you're done with your cleaning and organizing just stop being ocd (laughs) (laughs) oh i never thought about that that's a good tip yeah (laughs) um uh, when you're when you're done cleaning and organizing, there's a chance it may not measure up to your expectations. Your space still looks more real life than real simple, which is the magazine, real simple. Mm. And you think, why did I even bother? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't feel that way at all. I've never. I have looked at a mess before uh-huh. and thought, why bother cleaning it up? It's just gonna get back like this. But I've never felt that way after I cleaned it. Same. Like after I've cleaned or after I've organ or uh, uh, decluttered, it's always been this feeling of, oh, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible tip for that for that last one. But if you have a tip, send it to us, podcast at theminimalists.com. We love your decluttering, your cleaning, your organizing tips, your minimalism tips, your simple living tips. You can send them over there and we'll air it on the main podcast. Thanks again, patrons. We really appreciate you. Love people. Use things. We're really, we're really, really out this time. All right. You guys are awesome. See you. Don Minimalists. <laughs>